0: friends, welcome to the Creative Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Caldwell, and I'm so happy you're here. Each episode, I take some time to chat with fellow artists about life, faith, and the impact of the arts.
1: It was a dark time where I really felt wrapped up in all of the feelings, mm-hmm. feeling like, well, was it a waste of time if I don't pursue it full time mm-hmm. anymore? Was it all a waste or, you know... Who am I without being Marin the opera singer? Am I worth anything? Lots mm-hmm. of self worth stuff tied up in being a singer and being successful. Yeah. And because I'm not great at describing it, I guess I'll 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 co- go to the end conclusion, which is after almost a year of really being spiritually open to God, giving me new direction in things, I started to finally feel a sense of peace and release that. It would be okay if I wasn't pursuing it as a career, but mm-hmm. left it as just a gift in my life.
0: Hey, friends, welcome to episode 63 of the podcast. I'm super excited to be back with you today. And I can't believe we're already in the month of April. So happy early Easter. This episode will be coming out during Passion Week as we lead up to Easter. You may hear some congestion in my voice, and that is due to all of the amazing pollen in the air right now, so some good allergies going on. The irony is when we recorded the original episode, I was also not feeling great, so it all fits together. Today, I am so excited and honored to have my friend Maren Weinberger-Madry on the podcast. Maren's artistic journey led her to be a professional opera singer, and I am so excited for you to get to hear Her journey of deciding to pursue opera, the experiences she's had through her pro career, the highs and the lows, Marin and I talk about the mental, emotional, and physical strength it takes to be a professional opera singer and to make it in that pro world. She shares a lot of the highlights of her career, and some of those include performing at the Glimmerglass Opera Festival, working with the Fort Worth Opera, and winning numerous awards, including second prize in the International La competition. We talk about the vulnerability it takes to be a performer, and I think that's so relatable to every different art form. Marin shares about the importance of taking time to reflect on our why, and how her time of reflection really has shifted her lifestyle in recent years. Towards the end of the conversation, we get to hear about her new business that she recently started called The Mill and Refill, which is a small batch freshly milled flour company. Marin combines her love of food and cooking with her love of building community and helping to bring people together. I think you guys are going to be so encouraged by Marin's story today. Enjoy my conversation with Marin Madri. Marion, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's gonna be super fun to catch up today. We were just kind of catching up before we started recording, but I'm trying to think the last time that I saw you in person, it was probably like I don't even might know. It might have
1: been some sort of Spring Branch community church gathering yeah. or maybe even at maybe even at the new location.
0: Yeah, at Bridgepoint might have been yeah. so probably, you know, definitely before 2014 somewhere in there, but it's been a while. Yeah. So it's really yeah. good to see your face. <laughs> Same. Good to catch up. Yeah. It's kind of fun thinking back, like, man, we were little bitties. Did you grow up like the spring branch to your church from when you were born?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I think my parents didn't become Christians until I was born. I'm pretty sure. Or maybe even when I was two. Okay. No, it was around when I was born. So they weren't, they weren't believers when Joe was born. And then I think right around the time I was born, they started going to church with some friends of ours in the neighborhood, the Ralstons, which have remained our close family friends forever. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know where they were going right in the beginning, but yeah, pretty early on, I think, because I mean, I have memories of Spring Branch Community Church going back to when I was very little, like four. Yeah. So.
0: Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, or if me not too.
1: memories, home videos that, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that become
0: like and feel like memories. Yeah, I totally totally feel that. <laughs> I'm like, One I don't know our- if I actually remember this story or if it was just that I saw a oh, picture or totally. video. <laughs> totally.
1: One of our very favorite home videos is from Spring Ranch Community Church of me doing VBS and trying to do all the hand motions. And like my mom slowly zooms in on my face. And I very, in a very adult way, I throw up my hands and I roll my eyes and I'm just like. <laughs> ah. This is impossible. <laughs> I Give up. That is amazing. Yeah, it's definitely one of our most cherished
0: Marin videos. Yes, super fun.
1: <laughs> I love those. Travis, things. my husband, made a, a a GIF out of it because he really. Now we have a GIF of baby Marin doing this.
0: <laughs> that is perfect. I feel like that should definitely become like a viral GIF. That would That's be really right. cool. <laughs>
1: It easily could. It's pretty ridiculous.
0: There's yeah, so many good moments that we could use that expression. So Yeah. Uh, well, I would love to just let you share a little bit about who you are and what you're up to now. So, yeah, I'm Marin Weinberger Madry.
1: My career has been mostly under the name Weinberger. So, if you're ever doing any googling, that's <laughs> more your nice. time. Most most things. So, uh, yeah, had a. Have technically I still have a opera singing career and that started pretty much immediately right after I got out of my master's uh, in 2013 and I'm 32 I live in San Marcos with my husband Travis and our (sighs) little baby boy August and our crazy border collie Keen and we moved here from Charlottesville Virginia we spent the first few years of our marriage in Charlottesville Virginia while Travis was getting his master's And now we're here back in Texas and we want to stay. So hopefully Texas forever for us. Nice. Love that. And currently, currently I'm being a mom and I'm also running a small business doing flour milling. So I mill flour, fresh flour.
0: That is so cool. Yeah. That's been the project lately. Yeah. I'm excited to hear about that and (laughs) what goes into that because it's definitely new. So very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of crazy, but wow. Congratulations first on your wedding and then also on your cute baby boy. So sweet. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Love him. He's pretty adorable. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Like we were talking about earlier, but it's fun to follow people on social media and kind of see what's happening with their lives. (laughs)
1: Very right exciting. yeah yeah I mostly post about him <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> that's the best for sure was it fun having Christmas this year with a little one
1: yeah it was like he doesn't know what's happening so but it was cute to watch him try to rip up some of the paper and uh-huh. you know but he you know it's not I think it's gonna be fun in like two years when yes. you really can understand like you're receiving a gift you know exactly and get all excited about it but it was uh-huh. cute of course to watch yeah. him open a couple
0: things That's awesome. I love it. Well, I would love to hear how did you first get into the arts and singing?
1: Yes. So as you recall, our church had a really vibrant youth program for music. So I can't remember what the names of all the little levels were like music makers and Uh music makers.
0: Let's see what else there was. Young musicians was like the oldest, I feel like.
1: The yeah. blue shirts.
0: I remember the blue shirts. That's right.
1: Um, um, music oh gosh, makers. All what else? Shirts. I wish I still had some of those shirts.
0: Yeah, I. So still. I recently made a, a T-shirt quilt. Well, I didn't make it. Sorry, I was. I had goals of making it, but then I was like, you know, this probably will never happen if I keep saying I'm going to make it. So, for my birthday gift this year, people pitched in to do like where you send it off and get a T-shirt quilt made. Cool. All that to say, I had a couple of choir shirts in there, which was really fun. So nice. way back. Yeah. But I think one of them yep. was young, uh, the Music Makers. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Music so. Makers is for sure stuck in my head. But yeah, Angie Schwer, as you know, yes. definitely championing that program. Really, it's amazing when you look and when as an adult, I look back on all the things she did for all of us kids. I mean, my mom was also really heavily involved in, in yeah. the Younger Kids program. And so it's a ton of work because now as an adult, when I realized how much work went into making that happen and how many children participated in that, it really is incredible that they did all of that. It is. Yeah. That was definitely the start for me. It was, you know, my mom put me in the little program as soon as I was old enough, which was, I think four years old was the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I remember doing all the little like songs and the hand motions and, you know, they start you off, you know, super little trying to yeah. learn the basics. And mm-hmm. and then at some point, the performance stuff came in when you got older, you were allowed to be in like the performances. And I just yes. ate that up. I just thought that was so fun. And that sort of led into naturally, my parents were like, well, she really likes it. So let's find other things for her to do. And the 80 players is a company in Houston. I think they're still around.
0: Yeah, they're, they're super great. Love them. The new facility, apparently. Yes. So I haven't seen that yet. It's really beautiful. We went a couple years ago, pre-pandemic to see, it was like right after they had opened, we went and saw a show there. And it's a really beautiful facility. So hopefully you'll get to oh, come yeah. visit so I, I
1: want to, I really want to, cause that'd be so like full circle. That'd be really fun. So anyway, they got into 80 player stuff, did lots of acting classes with them. And then they were casting a whole bunch of children for their two month long run of best Christmas pageant ever uh, oh, in their cool. main theater. And so they needed a whole bunch of kids And so I auditioned for that and got the role of Alice. And so I got to experience at a really young age, I think I was like 11, what it felt like to be in a run of a show. So Ah. bless my parents for driving me all the time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thanks mom and dad. (laughs) uh,
1: That's right. Facilitating all of that. But that was my first taste of what it felt like to do something professionally in the theater And from then on out, I was like, I really like this. This is fun. I like being, you know, I like putting on the mask of someone else and -hmm.
0: and the energy
1: of that. I liked theater people. Everyone's quirky and weird. and, And it just felt like those were my people and so Mm -hmm. because I was definitely you know in a small tiny private school I was definitely stick out I stuck out like a sore thumb so so it was nice to have a group of people that that were more like me yeah (laughs) you're
0: like okay I feel like at home here that's really
1: good and then that kind of just progressed from there so high school stuff we did all the choir stuff the show choirs so Mm -hmm. many different choirs Houston Christian is where I went and that was just like Music Central. So another great. They did a great job making it fun and and like you know popular. People wanted to be in it. So that yeah, was, that's nice. A good job. Yeah, they did a good job of making it fun. And so did that. Did all the music theater things. Did all the theater things. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you know, at some point there was a teacher that kind of who was teaching me privately who basically said, I think that you should try to sing more classically. And I was doing lots of music theater and was open to the challenge and started doing some more classic song literature stuff. Ooh, yeah. And that was, you know, an easy leap to make because I wanted to do all the competitions for choir and they had all that solo stuff that you can do. Yeah. So once I started doing that, I realized I had this high soprano voice. So I was like, well, that's like a fun trick. Like <laughs> it felt like it felt like this fun little trick that I had that I could sing up high. And so that was, that was kind of the start of, of looking into opera. And then I got into, and I just cannot believe I got into this. It's just so crazy. Yeah. I got into the Houston Grand Opera high school program, which only takes like eight students out of the entire Houston area for wow. their senior year. That is and so that's cool. How, yeah, that's how I learned that your dad was actually working at for Houston Grand yeah. Opera. That
0: was- yeah, y'all kind of like uh-huh, cross paths there a little bit. And- that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So anyway... That started my, the door was open to opera through that program. I knew nothing about opera until I actually was in that opera program.
0: Gotcha. Wow. That's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah. I just came with a song that I sang for some choir competition. That's how I got in.
0: That's incredible.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And all those, all those experiences, I wish I, I wish I knew how cool it was when I was in it because it was all so new. I didn't take notes. I wasn't like writing down all these cool musicians we were meeting I yeah. was going to all of the performances, which still are in my mind. But I, I definitely didn't understand what a cool thing it was until later. And then I was like, "Oh, that was yeah. that was really amazing." Mm-hmm. So yeah, that began opera journey side of things. Still kept doing music theater in my bachelor's at Oklahoma City University. I was trying to double major vocal performance and music theater, but I didn't think I was going to make it out in four years if I did that. So yeah. I just I dropped the music theater one and kept pursuing vocal performance, had an experience the summer before my senior year in my bachelor's at a Italian language program in Italy where we were doing opera and language skills. Oh, cool. Yeah. And that was such a cool experience that I was like, I think I can make a career out of being an opera singer. Like I, I like that there's all this history in it. I like that it's a vocal challenge. Mm-hmm. I, I like that I have to push myself constantly Anyway, so that it was kind of just decision made after that summer. Yeah. You know, to not worry about music theater anymore.
0: What did that look like day to day while you were there?
1: Yeah. A day would be basically wake up, go to morning language classes, break in the afternoon, go to some sort of rehearsals for you know coaching for your music or mm. rehearsing whatever scenes that we were putting on later for the for the village that we were in. So we like we like did little performances like while we oh, lived. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. So that's that nice.
0: Awesome. Yeah, and that is really nice with the language element because I mean, in opera you're probably singing in a different language majority of the time or a lot of the time. So often, yeah, yeah. Often, yeah. so you're able to kind of have a deeper understanding, I would guess, through yeah. a program like that. So that's really cool.
1: Yeah. So that was, that was great. And then I came back, did my senior year and decided that I was going to go towards opera full-time and kind of like let music theater kind of be on the back burner. So then I went to Manhattan school of music to get my master's. Yeah.
0: Cool. That's awesome. So what was that transition like moving to New York? Cause I know Oklahoma is more like Texas, generally speaking. So that's cool. But yeah. What was it like shifting to the New York scene?
1: it was pretty hard, but not bad, hard, just shock. You know, like I, I have a very vivid memory of moving in to the apartment that I shared with four other artists of various Mm -hmm. kinds. And there was always a revolving door like of artists, like they, you know, there's three of us that pretty much stayed for the three years I lived there. And then the rest of them, like dancer, singer, singer, Trombonus came through uh, yeah. a model, like it was just like a <laughs> revolving door of New York City artist People, nice. But I remember moving in and 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 opening some boxes in my room, and I remember <laughs> pulling out my childhood stuffed animal and just starting to cry. Like, oh my Aww. gosh, I've moved away from everything, <laughs> and um. So it was kind of like that. Like it was exciting, but also very scary to be so away from. Um, lots of safety nets and mm-hmm. and and comfort so the New York experience was wonderful in many respects but it was also one of those things like once I got an opportunity to move out of New York and go and do a young artist program elsewhere I was ready to go yeah <laughs> yeah
0: like, okay yeah
1: time I was to move on after yeah three years yeah <laughs> but uh, i definitely love the city i still love to visit i just wouldn't probably want to live there ever again
0: yeah yeah makes sense it's just kind of a different different flow you know
1: yeah there's sure. not a lot of peace it's pretty hard to find peace
0: mm-hmm. there makes sense did you have a favorite spot or two that you like to go to find peace like in the yeah i guess to city? find peace or just just that we're fun whatever is Dave's spots mm. Yeah, there was this really cool tea shop
1: called Alice's, I think it's called Alice's Tea Shop. So it was like uh, Alice in Wonderland themed. Aww. And it was, there's a couple locations now, I think, but the one I would go to was in the Upper West Side, near to where I lived. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of in this basement area and you like walked down into the restaurant and cool. it was just lovely. There's like, they came out with these beautiful teapots and their scones were amazing mm-hmm. And it was very like Zen in there. (laughs) Nice. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. And the parks were, you know, Central Park is really pretty calming and nice. And yeah. Yeah. Nice to have that to go to. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, That's so cool. So you said it was three years, the master's program.
1: No, it was two years, but I stayed in New York for three years. Um, Okay, so once the two-year program was over, that's, Right as my master's was ending, that's when I won second prize at the lotta competition. and that yeah. sort of launched things. Yeah, that sort of launched, I guess launched my career in some ways, so I got so much recognition from that since it was a it's a pretty big competition mm-hmm. and I won a lot of money. That's awesome. <laughs> and so it, it gave me kind of like a safety net of getting to stay in New York and keep doing the artist thing without the starving part. And so right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so true. So I stayed and did some gigs and I auditioned that year pretty hard for a young artist program. And I got one back in Texas. So once I got into, yeah, once I got into the Fort Worth Opera young artist program, I no hesitation accepted. I was like, I'm ready to get Mm -hmm. out of New York but not in a, not in a bad way. I mean, you know, when you're living there, it really does feel like it's the only place on earth
0: to live. That's what it feels like while you're there, but then you leave and you're like, Oh, I feel feel better. (laughs) Yeah. More space to move and especially when you grow up with like more spread out things. I'm sure it's kind of nice to come back to that. And I feel like Texas is one of those places that like draws you back in. I don't know. I was talking to somebody about that the other day. It was like in Houston, even or the Houston area kind of draws you back in, but. About
1: Texas, that's very, I don't know, it's very, it seems to be special, but maybe it's just because we're from here.
0: Yeah, probably. But there's
1: something, there's <laughs> something probably about Texas that seems to like want to pull you back in.
0: Uh huh, for sure. Okay, so going back just slightly, that competition that you mentioned, and I did look up the video because you said there was like the yeah. kind of like documentary video of it. That was so cool. So it was really neat to get yeah. to see a bit of the process and. Like I'm like I know her. <laughs> yeah, know, it's been a long time. But I'm like
1: 23 year old, married or 22. <laughs> yes,
0: so, so cool. And it sounds like so you did like multiple competitions over the years, right? Yes,
1: yeah, that's definitely a part of being a professional opera singer, especially in the young artist phase, which basically is your 20s. Okay, so you, until pretty much you're considered a young artist until you're 30. And then you start aging out of most of those programs and then they kind of expect you to be more in your mature career. Although you can have all of the mature, quote unquote, mature career opportunities in your twenties. It just, they start not considering you in those little brackets of um, more insulated programs where you're a little bit more sheltered. Mm -hmm. So, or maybe like for people who don't have a manager yet, like that is more of the vein you want to stay in because you're being mentored in those programs. That's
0: cool. So, yeah. Kind of like a, tra- yeah. not training, but I guess sort of it training is, it is. or it like keeping you growing in that direction. And
1: you can think of it as a residency, like yeah. for medical okay. professionals. It's like that, where a company will take you in for a year or two mm-hmm. or just summers. So there's lots of young arts programs that just are the summer.
0: Yeah. So, so you first went to Fort Worth, the Fort Worth opera. Okay, cool. So basically performing, were you performing with them on kind of a frequent basis and then just training and stuff like that?
1: Yes. So all year long, you, they, it depends what company you're at. They um, operate, or at least they used to, I'm not sure what they do now, but they used to operate under a model where you do lots of educational outreach most of the year. And, and like, donor relations and like so we did lots of concerts in Fort Worth in the surrounding area we did almost every day and this was the most grueling part of it (laughs) it's almost every day we went out to a school and like put on a cute little kids opera and talk to the kids yeah and talk to kids about what opera was so
0: sounds really cool but like you said very tiring (laughs) oh my (laughs) gosh
1: exhausting every day 8 a.m like (laughs) going to these schools So, I mean, I must have visited over 200, 300 schools during my time there. It was just a crazy amount of of traveling around. So you do that for at least, you know, six months almost. Like it's like a long time of mostly just outreach stuff. And then you have a couple months during the year where it's their festival season, which means they bring in a whole bunch of artists to do a couple couple different operas. And then you, as a young artist, are often playing some sort of supporting role or covering a lead role. Sometimes doing a lead, it it depends. I got to do a couple of you know more leading roles while I was there, which was really great. Yeah. Um, But mostly you're the supporting or the cover of a main singer. And so again, continuing your training. By watching other artists who have been doing it longer than you so
0: Mm -hmm. yeah awesome so what were some of the because I know you kind of have multiple different experiences in the professional realm so what were some of the highlights of your professional career up to this point
1: yeah there's a lot I really feel fortunate that I had some really fun successful stories to share there's lots of (laughs) there's lots of hard things too yeah but um the highlights trying to think maybe in chronological order definitely winning the Latalinea linea uh, competition second prize there was so unexpected I mean I just couldn't even believe it, it was not expected I was yeah. definitely not the expected winner <laughs> of that competition there's yeah. all these people who were already pretty established in their careers who had made it to the 10 finalists and so like little old me, like, I just kind of felt like, what am I doing here? Right. <laughs> so that was a shock and really basically was the thing that made me feel like, okay, I have something special to offer. I can, I can do this. And yeah, so that was a highlight. And then definitely getting into Fort Worth Opera Young Artist Program. There were definitely hard things about being in that program for sure. Yeah. But it, it was sort of like the last step I needed to build a backbone. Mm-hmm. I needed, I needed to get tough in order to handle the career and it was like kind of the last step before really being out there on my own professionally to uh getting tougher and so Mm -hmm. you know both mentally emotionally and just like the grind of singing constantly oh yeah so there was highlights within that time there I definitely had some performances that were Really fun, and some casts of people that ended up being people that I have have come away with lots of friendships. Oh, cool! Yeah, so I'd say highlight. The, if I could zoom in on one main highlight from Fort Worth Opera, it would be my discovery that I really loved new music. They had a focus on composers, living composers, so twenty first oh, cool. century opera. So people who are, you know, writing things that are relevant to now <laughs> yeah, <laughs> instead of singing, you know, 400 year old operas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I discovered that I really loved that. So there was a particular performance where we were sampling basically a whole bunch of different composers works at the end of the festival season at a program called Frontiers. And so all the composers were there and gave you feedback. You know, they're not dead. They're in front of yeah. you. It's great. <laughs> and they can That's actually so cool. give you feedback. And no one else has touched those things before. So as a performer, it's very satisfying for me to learn something that no one else has learned and perform a character that no one else has performed. And so there was one particular performance where this uh, man, Zach, uh, oh my gosh, last name, Zach i'll send it to you later yeah sounds good no worries <laughs> um, his opera a song for susan smith is based on a true crime story oh, um, cool. and and so i sang susan smith and and it was like a, a, a highlight in the moment of like this was really fun like i really liked performing this offbeat character and music that no one else had ever looked at before and it felt yeah. really good and And challenging because it wasn't something I could go listen to a recording and refresh myself on. I really had to sit at the piano, and get every single note right.
0: Mm, That's cool. Uh,
1: Zach Redler, there's his name. Zach Zach Redler. Redler. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) awesome. Nice. Yeah, so that's a highlight from that time. And then within my two years there, I also had a career highlight, a goal of going to Glimmerglass, which is a summer festival and like one of the top tier. One yeah. of the very best programs you can get into, and so I had that goal, and had been let down in previous years auditioning for them, didn't get in, didn't get in, got on the wait list, didn't get in, you know that oh, sort of thing. Yeah. We're like, I, oh, this place. I, yeah, I finally got in, and during those two years and that I was there, and that was definitely a career highlight. First year, did a couple performances with them, where I was more of a supporting role and a little bit on the smaller side of getting stage time. But I got to be in very cool productions. The production from that summer was Candide that I was in. And it was just the coolest. It ended up being the performance that we got to take to France later. Oh, cool. So that was just like one of the coolest shows I've ever been in. It was just, I can't describe it. You'd have to see it. Everything about it, the creativity of the, the creative team came up with the costumes and the concept.
0: Yeah, And uh,
1: all this, all the singers and performers in it were just like top-notch amazing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Catherine Lewick sang Kuniganda. And she, if you ever look her up, she is holds the record for singing the most Queen of the Nights at the Met Opera. So uh-huh. she's just got this super high voice and she's just a powerhouse. And so yeah. it was just so fun to hear her every night hit those high E's. And I was like, you're amazing.
0: Yeah. yeah. That would be yeah. so fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was cool. So that was great and then I got to go the next summer and I got more stage time and I got to do the opera version of The Crucible with some really top tier A listers in the opera world. Jamie Barton was Elizabeth Proctor, John Proctor was Brian Mulligan, just some like incredibly not to not to name a couple other people. Uh, David Pitsinger was in it and Jay Hunter Morris was the judge.
0: Oh, cool. and
1: I got to do Mary Warren so I got some stage time like on one of the big productions and this ah. was a Francesco Zambella production which meant like she's like the woman who runs Washington National Opera and Climber Glass, wow. and so she has like always has like amazing concepts for her production so that was a huge highlight for me because it was like the first time I've ever shared the stage with people who were truly famous in the opera world and mm-hmm. I wasn't sure on opening night that sound was going to come out of my mouth. I was yeah. so nervous. Yeah. I really, oh man. I really, I was off stage just like trying to like keep
0: it together. And yeah, um, that's going to be a challenge because I mean, as a dancer, there's a similar element of like, you know, it, your body is your instrument and you have to kind of keep it ready and that kind of thing. But I feel like when it's your voice, that's a different level of like, having to control your emotion, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just can't even, yeah. Can't even imagine the, it, the nerves yeah. going into it for sure. It just, to it just that. takes
1: so much practice to get over the nerves. That's really what it is. Yeah. You just have to, you have to be in several situations, not several, tons of situations where you are practicing getting over the warble in your voice because you're gotcha. so nervous. Wow. So yeah. You eventually get to a place where you just trust your body and you're like, okay, yeah. this is how I breathe when I'm nervous. And But here's how I breathe when I'm supposed to be taking good supportive breaths before I sing. All I got to do is take that proper breath. The sound will come out. You just have to get to a place where you trust that the sound is going to leave your body and then ignore the sensations of wanting to throw up. Right. (laughs) You just move on. Uh Uh-huh. So. Yeah. After the first 30 seconds of being extremely nervous like that, generally I've experienced that you get you get past it. You get into the character, you get into the show, and then you, you just move on. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely a highlight doing The Crucible. It was one yeah, of my most sure. favorite shows to ever
0: be a part of. So that was cool. So cool. Uh,
1: moving forward, other crew highlights. Yeah. Um, lots of fun performances along the way. Lots of really great roles to play and I think the last highlight I'll share is just like the dream situation of getting to live in France for a couple months, doing a show that we had already done, which was the Candide that I told you about. So we had already done it before. It's not like I was going there to do some new role and being nervous about it. I got to go and basically like have a paid vacation. It was pretty amazing.
0: Love that. That's so cool. <laughs> definitely,
1: definitely a highlight for
0: sure. Yeah. So were y'all in Paris or somewhere else in France? We were in Toulouse for the first month and a half, and then okay. the
1: next month we were in Bordeaux.
0: Oh, cool! Awesome. Yeah, that would be that would be really such a cool experience to get to. Yeah. just live there for a little bit and be there to, long yeah. enough where you actually get to see more. I'm I'm guessing that you know when you go for like a week or something like that, but. When you're in a place for a couple months, you know, you get to almost like, I don't know, soak in it a little bit more. I feel like it felt,
1: it felt like we were living there. So it definitely felt like I was experiencing like living in that place because we had our own little apartments that we rented and everything. We weren't staying in a hotel or anything. So I definitely took advantage of staying there and did lots of, Classes and tried to like experience as much as I could while I was there.
0: So cool. I love it. So, this kind of probably overlaps with highlights a little bit. So, you may have already mentioned some, but we'd be curious to know if there were any just kind of like defining moments along your journey that helped you develop as an artist. And I know obviously it's like continual development throughout the whole time, but whether it's those good times or hard times or whatever, are there any that stand out to you? Yeah, I think. Definitely
1: all those highlights were defining moments. I-, I think the singing song for Susan Smith was defining because it made me realize how much I liked new music and that that could be kind of a niche thing for me in my career. And it did sort of develop into my kind of my my brand, I guess, doing new yeah. music. So that was really cool. The France trip was defining only in the way of like, it was just like, this is really cool that I get to do this and be paid yeah. to do this. Uh-huh. I think... You know, and and then of course, like I said, those, those moments of nerves are always defining because then once you get past them and you do the thing, you always feel this sense of triumph. Like "Ah, I, I can do it. Like, I'm so Mm. proud of me. Like I did the thing that I was afraid of. Yeah, Facing fears over and over again is a thing a performer that performers have to do all the time. We just constantly facing your fears Mm -hmm. because even if you get to a place where you are so comfortable as a performer that you don't feel a lot of nerves, you still at the end of the day are doing something very scary over and over and over again. Yeah, that's true. Or putting yourself out not, there. Yeah. If, if not scary, very vulnerable. Yeah. And so I think no one gets away from that. Like you might get over nerves and, make, and be like, well, I never get nervous anymore. I don't know if that's really true for anyone, but right. <laughs> you know, there's still such a sense of vulnerability as a performer that you're like having to do that over and over again. Mm -hmm. There's probably other defining things that I'm not thinking of. Definitely I could I could talk about defining moments of building a backbone. Oh yeah. I feel like there are a couple things I could point to. I don't know if I have really specific stories, but just in general, really harsh vocal teachers who, you know, I would leave lessons crying and then I'd have to pick myself back up and like keep doing like keep doing the work, yeah. mm-hmm. or even if they weren't being harsh, I was being hard on myself. You know, one or the other—it didn't really matter which one it
0: was, <laughs> right? Because you're getting feedback, criticism. You know, in the, in the sense of feedback, whether they're saying it in a harsh way or you're just hearing it. Like I can see how that would be harsh inside your own head sometimes, even if it's not yeah. coming out harsh from them. So,
1: yeah, definitely a lot of tears in the early parts.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: um, of all of this. And then less tears along the way when you start, you start distancing yourself a little bit emotionally because you're like, okay, I'm just not that person's flavor of preference, you know?
0: Yeah. Because man, there's such a range, I feel like with vocal performance, you know, of different tastes, I would say, or like different avenues that you could go, I'm assuming. So like the opera side, or like I said, the musical theater side, or I don't know, just even genres within like popular music, you know, it's pretty... Yeah, varied what people like to listen to or appreciate. So,
1: yeah, definitely. I think I don't know if I'd call it a defining moment, but you do come to a place after you've done it for a long time where you stop taking it super personal. It's always a little personal because yeah. it's your personal gift that you're using all the time, but you do you do get to a place at some point where you're like you just kind of release the idea that that you're the one and only that can yeah. do that role. I mean, there are some roles that you really do feel like no one else could do it like me and I'm, that that is the truth. But yeah. at some point you you realize you look around you and you're like all these people are talented. Everyone mm-hmm. is amazing and it just may not be my opportunity today and that's just how it goes.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's good. So, trajectory, wise so you were at Fort Worth Opera and then what be- happened between then and now? Yeah
1: good things happened. So within my time at Fort Worth Opera, I also was doing those two summers at Glimmerglass. And that got me a lot of attention, good attention. And I signed with a manager pretty much right after I got out of Fort Worth Opera's program. It was Mm -hmm. only a two-year program. So that last summer of that two-year program was my last summer at Glimmerglass. And so you sing for a whole bunch of different managers um, at the end of your time there and one manager immediately like wanted to work with me and so that sort of started the next few years of me doing like a normal career where you just have your season your gigs that you line up for the year and go and do them kind of living out of a hotel a lot of the time yeah My home base was still like, I just like left all my stuff basically at my parents' house and then kind of did my gigs. And then when I had off time, stayed with my parents' house. Yeah, that works. It was was like a weird time of like being out on my own, but yet not really having my own space. That was kind of strange. Yeah, that would be. But that was like that set of time. So it sort of ended in like not a great way with that manager. I essentially found like... They weren't really doing the work for me. Mm. So I was paying them. Uh, well, I never paid. You don't pay a manager. For your listeners, if you're ever paying a manager monthly or something, then that manager is not legit. They only yeah. get paid when they get you a gig. They gotcha. Get a percentage. Okay. So, but whenever she was receiving percentages, I still felt like I was really mostly getting those gigs myself, even though she was kind of bringing me into opportunities. Mostly I was kind of still managing myself and so I mm-hmm. kind of ended on terms of like said in a very nice way like you're not really doing a lot for me <laughs> yeah yeah and so I kind of closed that chapter on that manager and stayed open to having another one there was a few people that I I thought maybe I'd be interested in but I was basically booking things myself so I gotcha. kind of like was back into my like lone wolf (laughs) phase, getting my own stuff. And at some point it was right after, so I think France was kind of towards the end of me feeling really great about the career. Yeah. Right after I got home from that, that was 2017, the beginning of 2017, I got home from that France trip and kind of started the, trajectory of like I still had my manager at that time. Yeah. But like started the thinking like, what does this look like in 10 years? Like what what exactly do I want? And like that was just sort of in the back of my mind. I met Travis yeah. and we dated for a year, got engaged, got married only two months later after being engaged. Aww. And that was like the most fun year ever. Like we were both in Houston at the time. And Aww, I started, so cool. yeah. I started teaching private voice lessons during that year. So like I started already sort of stepping towards maybe not focusing all of my time and energy on traveling and singing. Yeah. So the studio I began gave me the opportunity to be at home more. And then I got to really actually date Travis, which was great.
0: <laughs> yeah. I Because that's hard long distance. And especially if you're yeah. like long distance traveling multiple say, different places, you know, it's not like yeah. one spot all the time. So
1: I will say I didn't do that for him. I was already doing it before I met him, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it, it was, it did work out so nicely that I was actually really in Houston quite yeah. a bit and did some more local singing. So it d- kept singing, it kept singing. And then we moved to Charlottesville in 2018 or halfway through 2018. And then I had... Only really a couple gigs during that year, and it gave me lots of space and time to start thinking about what I was doing. And I was like, "Huh, let's actually let's take the opportunity first time in my you know like ten almost ten years of singing that I've actually paused that I wasn't working yeah constantly." And so I took the time to really reflect, and it was very mixed. There was there was like parts of that time that were just utterly like gut-wrenching hard because I had to really ask myself questions that I didn't want to ask myself. Yeah. I used to, I literally used to pray like, God, do whatever you want with my life. That's great, but don't take away singing. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There was like literal prayers like that in my life uh, where I'd be like, yeah, you, you do whatever you want with my life, Lord. I'm open. Oh, but don't do this. Uh Oh, this is the one caveat. (laughs) Yeah. And so I started questioning myself about that, that part of me and why, you know, why I felt the way I did about like, why was I doing it? Why Mm -hmm. was I continuing to make lots of sacrifices in my life just to pursue opera? Like, what did I really feel about it? So it's hard to describe. I've, I've worked on describing it better because I know it's a really important part of my life and of my testimony
0: yeah. But it's
1: very hard to describe that season of time. It was a dark time where I really felt wrapped up in all of the feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, feeling like, well, was it a waste of time if I don't pursue it full time mm-hmm. anymore? Was it all a waste? Or, you know, who am I without being Marin the opera singer? Am I worth anything? Lots mm-hmm. of self worth stuff tied up in being a singer and being successful. Yeah. And because I'm not great at describing it, I guess I'll 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 co- go to the end conclusion, which is after almost a year of really being spiritually open to God, giving me new direction in things. Yeah, um, I started to finally feel a sense of peace and release that it would be okay if I wasn't pursuing it as a career, but mm-hmm. left it as just a gift in my life, and. Yeah. At that point, I was still doing a good bit of singing, just not quite as much as like a few years previous. And so it just kind of like, I just let it all trickle. And like right now I have one gig coming up in May and June. And then after that, I have no plans. Like I, yeah. I, I up to this point, I mean, the pandemic has ruined things for lots of people as far as their seasons. Right. Yeah. But, oh man,
0: it's been crazy. I'm sure. Crazy.
1: But I was thinking about all these things before the pandemic hit. And I'm actually really grateful that I did. Yes. That I came to it on my own terms and didn't have the pandemic rip things away from me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I did it on my on my own. <laughs> on my own. I, I ripped yes. it away from myself. When I didn't have to, there was nothing wrong. I could have kept pursuing and probably kept finding success. But I think it would have been to the detriment of my soul. Like the climate of yeah. my soul was not healthy. And that's what I had to ask God about. I was like, why do I not feel healthy? Why mm-hmm. am I so tied up in my worth being a singer?
0: Wow. And that's powerful.
1: Yeah. There was lots of learning to do
0: still learning. Yes. So good. So good. And so I listened to, have you heard of Annie F. Downs by any chance? Okay. She's oh, okay. another podcaster speaker lots of different things, but um, she has a podcast called that sounds fun with Annie F. Downs. And she asks this question a lot related to different things, but I love how she words it. Basically she'll say like, "What what do you know about God now that you didn't know before that time? And I was like, that's just such a cool question. You know, I haven't really thought about it that way, but I would love to ask you that about kind of your season of pausing and taking that time to really like be introspective and reflect and just work through it, wrestle through it with God. Um, what do you feel like you know about God now on the other side of that, that's maybe different than what you knew before?
1: I don't know that it's different than what I knew before. I think I I mentally knew all these things about who God was and his character, but I didn't experience them because I didn't let myself experience mm-hmm. them. Ooh, so I knew, that, I knew that I could trust God, but I didn't trust God. Yeah. And so- at the end of that time i knew it was in my soul he is worthy of trusting like he is worthy of my trust because mm. i trusted that it was going to be okay if i let it go and it was yeah i trusted that if i stopped singing that he would show me other good things and he did mm-hmm. i I learned something new about his mercy. Um, I already knew God was merciful, but I didn't experience it until, or I didn't experience this type of mercy until all of this, right? Or I didn't understand it in the same way where that, you know, if I allowed God to take away or or gave away, I don't know how to say it. If I just stopped doing Mm -hmm. what I was doing, that God would give me good things. And he did. That's beautiful. Yeah, I guess that's the best way to say it is, is that, I knew all those things about him. I just didn't allow myself to experience them because they were too scary to experience at the time.
0: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It is hard that sort of just fully surrendering or like fully trusting.
1: Yeah. You don't know what that is until you really do it. I I think that that's all part of Christian ease, you know, that we, we say these things like, let go, let God, but do we do those things? And right. Probably
0: most of the time. No, (laughs) most of the time
1: we don't. And I'm not saying that I am some paragon of, you know, spirituality. I I, I think that do what I did in letting it go. But we also do should be doing that on a daily basis. And I can tell you right now that I don't. Mm -hmm. So so I'm not in any way saying that I've turned some spiritual corner where I'm Right. Got it. Got it fully together. (laughs) But during that time, for sure, there was a lot of revealing to me, like the goodness that he has for me, whether I'm doing that full time or not. Right. And the goodness that he has for the gift that he gave me. Mm -hmm. Like during that time, I started singing for the worship team at my, the church we were at. And I had never done that before because I considered it to be a drain on my energy and time. Gotcha. I was like, oh, they're not going to pay, you know, in the past, it'd be like, oh, they're not going to pay me this thing. So like, I'm a professional, they should pay me this thing if I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to pay me. So why do it? You know, oh, you know, singing's my career, I don't feel like doing it like worshiping that won't feel good. Yeah, And finally doing it and feeling wonderful about it. And like loving sharing that gift oh. very freely and openly, like there was yes. so much freedom in doing that finally. That's really cool that's a good example of him being like, this gift is still yours. You still have this gift of music and, and being uniquely gifted and, and you can still use that. It doesn't have to be, why does it need to be that you're, you're profitable from it?
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or
1: have some sort of special attention from it.
0: Mm-hmm. Those are yeah, such good questions, you know, and I think good, no matter where we are in life, whatever like career path we're on or a lot of people listening or other, you know, artists from different forms of art, whatever dancers and, you know, musicians and visual artists and stuff like that. So, you know, it doesn't really matter what the medium. Yeah. The medium is, but just asking those questions of, you know, really trying to get real with God about that. And and reflect. And I love that you took the time to do that. And it is really cool that it happened before the pandemic. So it wasn't (laughs) quite so like shock to the system, you know, when that hit. So. And I want to be
1: clear to your, to your listeners that I am in no way saying that if you are profiting from your gifting, that that's a bad thing. Definitely not saying that.
0: Right. Right.
1: My thing was more about my self-worth being tied up.
0: in Yeah. That's a good clarification for sure. Cause yeah, it's all good. For sure, we love yeah. getting paid for if what you we do. You can profit really-
1: from the things that you're gifted at. Amen. That's yes, wonderful. amen. <laughs> for
0: sure. <laughs> well, I know this season has also been different for you, being a new mom. That's super yeah. cool. So, how has that shifted things for you?
1: Well, it definitely makes you look at everything with a different eyes as far as what's really important. So, mm-hmm. where before I had August and I was doing all that soul searching with God, you know, I didn't have him to think about, but I was still thinking about him before he was even conceived. Like, you know, I was thinking about what things are really worth, like, what are we doing here on earth? Like, what is the point of being here? Right. And there are, there are things that build up the kingdom. Like we're here to build God's kingdom. And that's such a, again, such a Christian thing to say. And what I mean by that is there are things with lasting importance and there are things that don't have lasting importance. And so what's going to have a lasting importance in my time here. And like, I brought a being into the world, like not yeah. that it's all me, but I, you know, <laughs> like, you know, God did that, but yet it's like, I'm a part of bringing a soul,
0: a yeah. soul of you know,
1: God into the world. And so like my view of that is just different now that he is his own little person. He's a soul that I hope knows Jesus someday. Yes. And it also changes things because now I look at life through like the discovery in his in him. So mm-hmm. when we play classical music and sometimes opera for him watching his face, like listen, and Aww. it's like you get to rediscover those things as an adult and it's really satisfying to see him kind of bounce with the music <laughs> you know what I mean? like that. Yeah. Um,
0: and So precious.
1: It'll just be more and more exciting to see his little light bulbs go off. Like, yeah. Like that. Yeah. So
0: good. I love that. And then I'm really curious to hear about this new business that you were talking about with yeah. the flower. This is so cool. Yeah.
1: It's so random. It's so random how it <laughs> happened. But I... Love cooking. I've always been into it. As long as I've been into singing, I've been into cooking and
0: food. Oh.
1: I mean half of the time, more than half of the time I spent in France, I was eating. Nice. Was eating
0: everything. <laughs> <laughs> Trying all the things. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> and so it is very, you know, I I never wanted to do it professionally in any way because I just like with music, thought, well, it'll be like just like music where you When you start doing something professionally that you love, you lose a little bit of the joy, just mm-hmm. a little bit, <laughs> yeah, because it becomes a pressure. And so I never wanted to make a career out of food. And yet, you know, just this past year, while I was pregnant and right after giving birth to August, even, I was trying to think of ways that we could think about food more sustainably. Like, how could we eat more hyper locally? How can we change our lives moving towards Sustainability—that's mm-hmm. important to Travis and I both. We have a shared dream of, you know, maybe having a little piece of land someday that we get to grow our vegetables. On. Yeah. I mean, we can do this in our backyard, but still, like we we like to think about that sort of lifestyle of having mm-hmm. a little bit more of a sustainable lifestyle. So I bought a grain mill attachment to my KitchenAid, and you know, ran some grains through it and made my own cornmeal. And I was like, this is so cool. I love that. Like, I just like made a very staple food for myself and my yeah. family. And it was delicious. Like the flavor was so much better. And
0: Oh, I bet. Yeah. That
1: just like launched me down a road of obsession. Like, I get into like different food obsessions uh-huh. in different times. And that just kind of launched me down a bread and like, Flour obsession for a while. And I had always thought they'd be really cool to have some sort of career that involved a couple things that I loved, which would be community building. I love bringing people together around a table of food. Like Mm -hmm. that's just something I deeply enjoy. You know, could I bring that to San Marcos in some way? And so this is just like a small step in the door of I'm selling, you know, freshly milled flour at our farmer's market in San Marcos and it's kind of been catching on, which is great. So yeah. maybe I'll and do a little bit more with it. And then the hope is that at some point I have enough capital from that business to kind of start thinking about, you know, maybe creating a modern general store type experience for San Marcos people where they can come in and shop more hyper local and sustainably. And that'd be super cool. You know, yeah, maybe there's like a playscape for kids outside or something. Yeah, that would <laughs> be so fun. Focused. Yeah, a community focused space. I think that sounds really cool. But yes. I'm also totally open to just doing this for a little bit and then letting it go. Yeah, that's, that's good too. <laughs> we'll, it's a we'll neat see. season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Call it's called the mill and refill.
0: The mill and refill. There. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. I have to yeah. look up. Do you have a
1: website? Yes millandrefill.com. And then on Instagram, it's at millandrefill.
0: One thing that I like to ask every guest that comes on the show is, is there something you want to share with other artists right now that you just feel like is on your heart? I think because of the pandemic,
1: I think so many artists are starting to do what I did on my own, which is just starting to question themselves and be like, well, you know, Mm -hmm. is this really sustainable? Can I really do this? So I guess more on the side of sustainability rather than what I was doing, which was, you know, where is my worth tied up in right now? Mm -hmm. But I think that is a great thing to, to share with artists is like, if you are in a place that's, you know, you just feel like you can't get the gigs because of the pandemic, try to go learn something new that's exciting and fun for you and go enjoy that thing. Yeah. Try to find enjoyment. That isn't the thing that isn't happening for you. Because if we get stuck on the thing that isn't happening right now, there's no, there's really no benefit in mm-hmm. your in your life to feeling stuck in a corner. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it <laughs> right now. Exactly. You can be proactive and and try to find ways to do things in your community and and still find joy in the thing that you're doing. And I think that that ultimately is probably like the best thing we can do as artists is trying to invest in the people that we around on a day-to-day basis and yeah. offer our gifts to. And yeah, I found that for myself, often when I would get in a bad place about the career, I would go do something that had nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Like I would turn my attention off of myself. And that's like how I found, we didn't talk about this, but that's how I found Young Life Capernaum, oh, where I went no. and volunteered and was just like a leader for that Young Life branch, which is Special Needs Kids in Manhattan. Cool. Is That was a ministry that like I just turned off my focus of myself and focused on pouring into someone else.
0: Mm-hmm. And it was
1: really healing and good.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So self-care, obviously, very important. But I think self-care is also partly about not being super focused on yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that all is all very scattered. I don't have very together thoughts on that other than that was great other than you know if if thinking about yourself and your career is driving you crazy try not to think about those things and don't pretend they don't exist but like go do something that feels joyful and good and pouring into other people I think is for me like a great way to do that that's perfect that's great I love it I
0: love all the thoughts
1: for sure a different creative muscle that you have control over you know
0: yes like the cooking, or, yeah, you know, exactly. things like that, that other maybe hobbies that we tend to not make time for after a while when we're in quote adult life. so, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think the most frustrating thing for artists is that we are not in control of our own careers often. yeah, it's all based on the people who are hiring us. and that just like is the most frustrating thing, yeah, ever You can be as talented as you want, and the doors might still be closed to you because someone is the doorkeeper that Mm -hmm. in your (laughs) time. So true. You can go flex a muscle of a different creative thing that you have control over. Even if that's singing, you know, a concert that's free for your neighbors, like go and do that. Cause
0: it just feels really good to be in control of that. (laughs) Yes. So good. So good. (laughs) So one thing I also like to ask just for fun. So not really arts related necessarily, but it could be is (laughs) what is one of your favorite things right now? Well,
1: definitely. Cooking. (laughs) Yeah, I think probably one of my favorite things right now would be definitely food related because I love to cook. Um and I love uh recipe development right now for milk mill. So, you know, I make the I grind all the flours and then I like to put recipes up on our website so people have a little bit of direction when they buy our flour. Of something they can do. And so recipe development has been like a really fun, surprising thing that I have really enjoyed.
0: Yeah. Just kind of experimenting.
1: Yeah. It takes like a lot of experimenting before I get to a recipe that I'm like, this is worthy of posting. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Actually really good. And that's just been really fun. I also really enjoy playing with August. He's at a really cute, silly age right now. So that's
0: that's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So fun. Well, Marin, this has been so good. And I just love getting to hear your heart. And also thank you for sharing your journey just all along the way. Really appreciate you. And would love to let people know where they can connect with you. We did already, I guess, share the mill and refill website. So that's really fun, but just generally what's the best way to connect with you. I'm mostly
1: on Instagram these days. I don't really do a lot of Facebook. Yeah, if it, understand if, that. If, if, if I ever am on Facebook, it's because I posted from Instagram. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah, messaging me on Instagram. I think my profile is public. I don't think I have a pro- private one. So you can okay, just message cool. me there. My email address is marinmadry at gmail.com. You can message me Perfect. through email. um Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, you are amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was so fun getting to reconnect with Marin. I'm grateful for her honesty and vulnerability and her willingness to share her story with us. You can find her complete bio and the full show notes on our website, creativeimpactpodcast.com. It would mean so much if you'd be willing to rate and review the show wherever you listen. And one of the best ways to help spread the word about this show is just to share it with your friends. If you're enjoying the episodes and would like to get more bonus content, check out our Patreon community at creativeimpactpodcast.com slash Patreon. That's creativeimpactpodcast.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Whatever you may be doing today, thanks for letting us be part of your journey. The music for the show was produced by Michael Cash. Until next time, remember that you were designed to create, made to inspire, Continue living with purpose and making an impact. See you next time, friends.